Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today, you will hear a sermon from Pastor Jeff Abiera. So without further ado, here he is. Amen, amen. Good morning again. Uh, again, thank you to Toe for introducing yourselves and the mission that God has placed on your heart. We support you and back you all the way. If you're new here, we want to... Uh, Just welcome you again, and whether you're here or online, we're so glad that you're worshiping with us. You could be anywhere, um, but you're here with us right now. My name is Jeff, and I'm the next-gen pastor here at Harvest. And today we're going to continue on in our Advent series. Go ahead and everybody say Advent. Advent. The word Advent is always thrown around during the season, and to give a little definition of Advent, it simply means the anticipation or the arrival of something or someone. And as Christ followers, when we mention Advent, we are talking about the arrival of Jesus Christ. Last week, we were reminded, as Tove mentioned, that uh, we learned about Jesus Christ as Savior. And the next few weeks, we're going to learn different parts of Jesus and even, you know, what he's called and labeled. And today, we're, we, we go from Savior where Christ saves us from eternal condemnation of sin. And we're going to go to a place now where we hear Lord and Savior. So we always hear those two combinations, right? So Savior is very important, but also Lord is very important. Jesus is the King of Kings. I want to start off with Revelation 19.16. It's not up there, but it says, On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of lords. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is King. Amen. If you're a Christ follower, please repeat after me and let's say it with energy and conviction this morning. Please say, I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. And I am the light of the world. Amen. Sometimes it's hard for us who have lived in America to embrace the word king. When we think of a king, oftentimes as Americans, we think of athletes, or we think of fictional characters on movies. And it's a word that doesn't really affect our day-to-day lives. You know, in the presence of a king or queen, there's some interesting things that happen in the world outside of America. When a king or queen is in your presence... You only speak when you're allowed to speak. When you're in the presence of a king or a queen, you could be talking, and there could be a moment where they just look at you, nod at you, or just say, stop talking, and you have to stop talking. In the presence of a king or queen right now in 2022, if you're eating in the presence of a king or a queen, and they finish eating before you, Let's pretend like we're at Thanksgiving eating with the king or queen, right? We're all eating. If they stop eating, wipe their mouth and put their napkin on their plate, that means you stop eating. Everything stops and starts with the king or queen. This past year, Queen Elizabeth passed. And if you don't know, at her funeral, there was over 500 kings, queens, rulers, presidents, prime ministers, that attended, a room full of royalty of the entire world. 
Now, even when we think about it, generations have come and go of kings and queens. When we think of the past, current, and even the future kings and queens, every single person who has been crowned or given authority over a nation, every single one of them, one day will either bow down and worship Jesus and show respect to Jesus. Jesus is the king of kings. And today I'm not going to let loose, or I'm not going to hold back a little bit. I'm going to let loose because Jesus is king of kings. The passage we're going to look at today is going to be from Matthew chapter 2. And in this passage, it's a little bit longer than what we usually read, but I don't want to skip anything. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. And in Matthew chapter 2, there are a few different types of responses to the newborn king of Jesus. And in verse 6 that we're going to read in a moment... It's actually coming from a prophecy that was written 600 years before Jesus was actually born. And we notice a few different characters here. Of course, we we see the king and then then the wise men, and we're going to focus a little bit on the priests. So let's look at Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where was the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities, Judah, for a ruler will come from you. Who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel? That's what was written 600 years ago. Verse 7, now, then Herod came, or called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared, when he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Amen. Let's pray again. God, I pray that today we would recognize that you are the king of kings and that our life would reflect that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the beginning of the passage, we are introduced to King Herod. King Herod is approached by these wise men who were noblemen of the east. Three magi, three kings, different versions says. And we see that there's three different responses to Jesus as king. The very first point I have for today is the first response we could have is disapproval. Jesus says, king, when I say that, maybe some of you disapprove of it. When Herod was the king, 
he disapproved that Jesus was the king of kings. Actually, in the beginning, he just played a front, and he was saying, okay, where is this king? When in reality, we learn later on that he wanted to kill Jesus. He sent an execution for every child under the age of two years old. King Herod disapproved Jesus as king. I want to ask, in your life, when you hear the name of Jesus, is it disapproval? The closest example that I've seen in my own life, like right in front of my eyes, of disapproval of royalty was the past two presidencies. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Lord, oh, Jesus, Lord, have mercy. I'm scared about this part, but I'm going to say it anyways. I'm going to say it anyways. When Trump became president, uh uh-oh, here we go. I could feel it in the room. I could feel it. One side was saying, Trump, 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 right? And then what did the other side say? They were like, that's not my president. Mmm, mmm. And then the Trump side, they were saying, like, but this is our country, and you live in this country. That's your president. And then there was marches, that's not my president. That's not my president. And then the other side was like, as Christians, we got to pray for our president. And they're like, I'm not praying for that, man. And then what happened? Uh-oh. Ironically, the roles switched. Man, I could feel the tension in the room. <laughs> the roles switched, and what happened? Biden became president. And the side that was saying, you got you to gotta follow this man because he was voted president, now the other side was saying, that's not my president. That's not my president. And they're saying, you said you were supposed to pray for our president. And then the other side was saying, now let's pray for this president. And on both sides, what did we experience as a country? No matter where you're at on that spectrum, I'm not trying to get political right now, I'm just observing what happened before my eyes, is that each side gave disapproval. And what happened in the midst of disapproval was chaos. We have seen our own country's form of kingship be disapproved the past several years and denied. And what comes out of that? Nothing but chaos. Now, I want you to think about your own life for a moment. Does your life reflect disapproval of Jesus as King of Kings? Does your life say, I don't really need God. I think I'm good. I'm fine on my own. I could decide everything in my life. You know, no one can really tell me what to do. I'm good. Jesus, he may be a king, but he ain't king of kings. This is exactly how King Herod thought, but on a more brutal level. Maybe some of you are here just because it's part of your routine. Mm. I want to warn you guys and say Proverbs 16, it says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. The first response we see as a response to the king of kings, is disapproval. And that is a dangerous place 
to be. The second response we see as Jesus is king of kings is dismissal. We see a response that dismisses Jesus as king. In verse 3, it says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. And then it says this in verse 3. It says, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah to be born? The second response was the priests and teachers of the religious law dismissed Jesus as king of kings. Did you know that during that time, they were only five miles away from Bethlehem? The king of kings was five miles away. Some of you run more than five miles a week. Or even we walk more than five miles a week. It was right in front of them. And they dismissed Jesus as king. They didn't disapprove him. They acknowledged that Jesus was a man. They acknowledged that maybe Jesus was there. But they were dismissed. Five miles away. Some of us might come to church every single week. We come in the presence and we have corporate worship. And it does nothing to us. For the parents in the room, have you ever felt dismissed? You ask your kid, hey, can you pick that up? Your kid looks at you, says nothing, goes, goes back around, right? Dismissed. Oh, my gosh, that feels so bad. And then, and then on the inside, as a parent, you're like, do you know who I am? I'm the king of this house, right? And they're like, eh, dismissed. Getting dismissed does not feel good. Maybe some of you, you get home, you've been working all day. You're excited to see your family. You walk in the door. I'm home. Ain't nobody care. Nobody cares. Nobody gets up. Nobody says hi. And you're dismissed. This is how some of our spiritual lives are like. We just say, eh. Jesus, King of Kings. Eh. It sounds good, but it doesn't really effect. I'm not going to walk five miles. I'm not going to move because of God. Maybe some of us, we also believe that there's a higher. You look around and say, man, all this cannot be an accident. You see the sin in the world. There's got to be something to combat this sin. But even now, the way you live your life does not represent one who is following the King of Kings. You know, one of the most evident ways of how we can know if we are dismissing Jesus as king? How do we know if we're dismissing Jesus as king? It's very simple. One of the ways is we take a look at how we use our time, our talent, and our treasure. Where does your time, talent, and treasure go to? And if, if you really look at it, you will find if you are living as Jesus is king. Another way that we know is from 1 John 2. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys the word, love for God is truly made incomplete in them. This is how we know if we're dismissing God 
by the way we obey the commands. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't say that you love Jesus if you love his commands. It actually says if you obey his commands. Obedience to God will not always look like this. Yes! I can't wait to pray for my enemies. It doesn't look like that. It may not look like, oh my gosh, yes, I want to forgive you for backstabbing me. I can't wait. You don't have to love his commands. But if Jesus is king of kings in your life, you do have to obey his commands. You don't have to love it to obey it. But when we obey it, it reflects our love for God and our understanding of his love for us. The final response that Jesus has as the king of kings that we see in this passage, first, again, it was, it was uh, disapprove, then it was dismissed, and the last one is devote. Turn to your neighbor and say, devote. Devote. We see the last group of people devote their lives to Jesus. It says, after this interview, the wise men, in verse 9, went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were devoted to seeking the king of kings. They were devoted to bowing down and worshipping the king of kings. Recently, I had a new understanding of, of what it means to, for the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I used to think that the feeling of the joy of the Lord is just deposited into you, and then you react out of it, and then you feel strong. But I learned that this is only part of what it means. When we're t- walking in obedience, what happens? It actually pleases the Lord. And knowing that we are walking in obedience... God is joyful. So what am I saying is that the, it's not our joy that gives us strength. When we look at if Jesus is joyful because of the way that we're walking in obedience, that's where the strength comes from. Knowing that God is joyful brings us strength. And here's the thing. It's not always easy to walk in obedience. Some of you are struggling still, and it's been a long time coming. You've been in a valley for a long time. I don't know what's happening. A family issue, financial issue, relationship issue, maybe a health issue. And you've been walking. The Jewish priests were five miles away. Do you know how far the wise men were? They were 400 miles away. And I want to say that sometimes being obedient and devoting your life to God is going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some breaks, some rest. But then you get up. And you keep on going. Devotion takes time and it takes distance. And God is joyful in the way that you continue to persevere. So if you are struggling, I'm going to say keep keep on. Do not give up. Imagine God with a smile on his face saying, son or daughter, it fills me with joy that you are still walking. If Jesus walked into this room, the king of kings, it would be very different. When the Bible talks about every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, I truly believe that that's not necessarily out of choice, but more out of an innate response to God's glory. When the king of kings who conquered death 
was resurrected, who defeated sin, is before us one day, creation will worship and will bow down. And I'll say this, and this might be a little controversial, but I'm going to say you can either bow down to Jesus now in this life, or you will bow down in the next life. Yesterday I was in the city, I was hanging out with my friend, we were going to get some fun, we were just driving, we were just talking about some random conversation. And one thing came up while we were talking, and it was the thought of that we are going to be dead way longer than we will ever be alive. We will be dead way longer, way, 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 way longer than we will ever be alive. Why do I say that? I say that because we can either delay our bowing down to God, or we could do it now. Either way, it's going to happen. I think I've shared this before, but several years ago, I was completing a fast, and on the very final hours of my fast, uh, I took a nap, and I found myself, I truly believe it, in the presence of God. While I was sleeping, I had a dream. And in this dream, I tried opening my eyes. But the moment I tried to open my eyes, I was before a huge, bright, white light. And I actually could not open my eyes completely. I had to squint because it was so bright. And in this room, I found myself as if gravity was pulling my body down in the presence of this bright light. So I was down like this, and I tried to lift my body, but I couldn't. Gravity kept pulling me down. And the only thing that I could see was through my peripherals as I was squinting my eyes. And what I saw in my dream was a dove. And this dove also was bowing down. White dove. And in that moment, while I was dreaming, I had a realization that this is probably a picture of how I will be in the presence of Jesus. There will be an innate response to Jesus where his glory is so heavy that the only thing I can do is bow down. And I truly believe that the dove was there to remind me that it's just not man that will bow down. It will be all of creation. Guys, after this life, when we go to the next and even face judgment, we will bow down. The three wise men, they gave worship because it was fitting to the newborn king. So the question I have for you today is will you devote your life to Jesus? Will you bow down and worship it as king here on earth while you're still in this life? Or will you disapprove Jesus as king of kings? Or will you dismiss Jesus as king of kings? I want to remind you that we have a chance against sin because of Jesus. Guys, we are so loved in the midst of our sin. His kingdom is above all earthly kingdoms. He's a king who was not born of a palace. He was born in a manger. He was a king who could have used his power for all of the riches, for food. But he chose to live a humble life and live a normal life of a human. Many kings are called to live a life of pleasure. But Jesus was called to live a life of service. He was the one who was on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. While all other kings were known for what they did alive, Jesus was known 
for the way he offered his life for us. C.S. Lewis once said, Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or a Lord. And I want to ask today, how do you see him? In closing, uh, if you could put up one of the pictures. Each of these slides, they, they have a star in them. And I was in Nicaragua two times for missions. And I remember on one night, I was outside with my team, and we just looked at the stars. And I'm telling you right now, stars in other countries where it's, you're in the middle of nowhere, it looks way different than out here. It literally looks like it's shining upon you. And we would see these amazing stars that are just planted there, Big Dipper, looking just so beautiful. And then here and there, we would see a shooting star. It was beautiful, too. I've only seen a few in my life, but in Nicaragua, it was one of the most beautiful things. Now, here's the thing. When we look at the stars, it kind of reminds me of how Jesus is. There will be kings and queens and presidents and rulers and authority that will come, just like the shooting stars. You will see them, but they won't remain there forever. It looks cool at first, because maybe we haven't seen that kind of greatness, you know, here and there. But every shooting star, it's gone like that. Jesus is not a shooting star. Jesus is the star that will remain in the sky, that will remain as king of kings forever and ever and ever. When the wise men were walking towards this star, guiding them to Jesus, what did they do? They would walk, look up. They would go through struggle, walk, look up. But in their journey, every single time they walked, the star remained. The Bible says that the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. And Jesus is the living word of God. Guys, last week we studied Jesus as our Savior. You know, the gospel is the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but that's not the whole gospel. That's not the big picture. The bigger picture, especially when Jesus was here preaching, was his invitation to the kingdom, to the kingdom where he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Guys, we are all talking about the advent for this for the whole month, right? The first coming of Christ. But I want to remind us that there is a second advent, and there will be a completion of the king of kings where he does rule and reign forever. In the Bible it says, the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. In October, I preached a sermon titled, Saying Yes to God. And I talked about the hope of the Lord when we follow and say yes to God. And there was three words that I talked about that all attached to hope. Those words, if you remember, it's eventually, soon, and finally. Whenever hope is there, eventually, soon, and finally is the process of where hope comes to fruition. And I want to remind us that Jesus has come. So the continued hope now is the second advent. Eventually, Jesus will return. Soon, 
Jesus will return. And then when we are all in the presence of Jesus, either when we die or when he returns, we will say, finally, the King of Kings has returned. So as we continue to today, let us remember that Jesus is King of Kings. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. And Lord, I pray today that we would stop dismissing you if we have been doing so. That we would stop disapproving of you in the same way we even saw our country disapprove of the different presidents being voted for. Lord, I pray that today we would have unity in the body and unity in this exact room and all agree truly in our hearts that you are the King of Kings. God, we will be dead way longer than we will ever be alive. So I pray that we would see this life as a gift and that we would devote our lives to you as a response that you are the gift to all of humanity. So God, as we start Christmas shopping and and purchasing presents and gifts, let us never forget the gift we have in you. As we continue to pray, just for a moment, on this normal Sunday, I want to ask you, how will you respond? And you don't even have to, I'm not going to make any heavy application today. I just want you to respond in your heart right now and in prayer. And choose three things. Don't stay without a choice. Today, will you disapprove Jesus? Will you dismiss him? Or will you devote to him? There's only three options. So pray on that and choose that now. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.